Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Hey, welcome to Destiny Church. Welcome those online. Destiny Church is one church, multiple locations. Our Marshfield crowd, we're glad to have any of you that might be from there watching today. But uh, we love what God is doing at Destiny Church. He's doing some incredible things. And uh, man, you can just feel the presence of the Lord. The picture I keep seeing in my mind of what the Lord is showing me is like uh, the waters are stirring. And uh, man, it's just time to get in the waters of what God is doing and going to continue to do. So I just encourage you, get ready. God's moving. And uh, I look forward to preaching to you today. We're in week two of a series we started a couple weeks ago. We took a break last week, but we're in week two of a series we're calling Even Though. And what we're doing with this series is we're taking a walk um, through the book of Habakkuk. And we're looking at the three chapters there. And last week, uh, Pastor Anthony did an incredible job communicating to you. I love that we have guys on the team that can communicate or the first week of that series. Last week, we had Ed, a friend of ours from, uh, from Florida here, did a great job. But uh, two weeks ago, Anthony did a great job teaching. I love that we have guys that can communicate. And uh, today, I wanna ask you guys a question And uh, Henry Blackaby really deals with this, but I wanna ask you this question. What do you do when you enter into the crisis of belief? What do you do when you enter into a crisis of belief? In his book, Experiencing God, uh, Henry Blackaby points to the struggles that accompany our walk with the Lord. And you could definitely say, as you look at the book of Habakkuk, you can definitely say that uh, he's struggling with some things the Lord is asking him to do. We see that in chapter one. He was in a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief can be described as an unsettled time. Everybody say unsettled. Maybe you're in an unsettled time right now, but a crisis of belief can be described as an unsettled time in our walk with the Lord when we have to make some choices. The status quo is no longer an option. We have to make some choices. Blackaby describes it this way. The crisis of belief is a moment when we understand as a believer what God is asking of us, what he's saying to us, but we have to make a decision. Am I in or am I out? It's a decision. And Blackaby says there are several things that might be involved in this crisis of belief, just a few of them. It may involve a task that is beyond your ability. It's a God-sized task. Blackaby also says it will require faith in God. How many say you could use a little more faith? Three of us. The rest of you should be moving mountains. I, I, wanna, I need more faith. It will require action. Another thing it will require, and this is a big one, when you enter into a crisis of belief, is it requires an adjustment to your plans because God has a different plan and it's causing a crisis of belief. This crisis of belief is a vital moment in the life of the believer. It's a go or no go, in or out, fish or cut bait moment. It's this moment when you have to decide. A crisis of belief is simply when where you find yourself 
doesn't line up with what you believe or what you thought or what you want. It's a crisis of belief. It could be something you're facing personally. It could be a trial that you are facing. It could be something that God is asking you to do. It could be somewhere that God is asking you to go and you have this crisis of belief. It could be someone that God is asking you to forgive or someone that God is asking you to love. Someone that doesn't look like you, act like you, believe like you. It's this crisis of belief. What do I do? Am I in or am I out? How am I gonna respond to what God is asking of us? It stretches us, it stresses us this crisis of belief. And for many of us, when we enter into a crisis of belief, oftentimes it even causes us to question our faith as we wrestle with God and what he wants. That's really what we see happening in Habakkuk. He's wrestling with his faith. He's wrestling with what God is saying. It doesn't line up with what he believes. It's a crisis of belief. How's he going to respond? What's he going to do? And I think this is probably where some of you find yourselves today in a crisis of belief, a struggle. I think that's where some of you watching online maybe find yourself today. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond when we find ourselves in a crisis of belief? Let's pray. Father, I come before you and I ask you in these next few moments, would you be in this room with us today? Lord, I sense in my heart that you are doing something incredible in the midst of this church. And I believe, Lord, that this crisis of belief that many of us find ourselves in is actually a pivotal moment that like launches us into what you want to do in our lives. So Lord, I just pray and I just give you permission in this church to stretch us Help us learn what it means to wrestle with you a little bit so we can grow closer to you. Give me clarity of thought today. Give every one of us ears to hear as we respond to this message. In your name we pray, amen. So we're gonna look at Habakkuk chapter two today if you wanna turn in your Bible. Habakkuk chapter two, we're gonna dive into it. And we find that Habakkuk, as I've stated this morning, is in a crisis of belief. And what we're gonna do is in this chapter, we're going to let us show us, let us show us three things, three ways we should respond when we find ourselves in a crisis of belief. And I'm not going to get through the entire chapter, so you're going to want to have to dig into this a little bit on your own. We're really going to just get through the first four verses today. But I believe there's three things that Scripture shows us we should do when we find ourselves in a crisis of belief, when what we believe doesn't line up with what we think or what God is asking of, of us stretches us, what do we do? Number one, the first thing scripture teaches us to do is you stop and listen. When you find yourself in a crisis of belief, you stop and listen. And I'll back this up with scripture in just a moment. But I, I just kind of want to go back to Habakkuk chapter one. Honestly, what's been happening in Habakkuk's life up to this point is what a lot of us do when we find ourselves in a crisis of belief. When something is happening that we don't like, when something is happening that we don't think is fair, what did Habakkuk do? He complained. Isn't that what a lot of us do when we 
don't agree with something God is asking of us? Isn't that what happens when we find ourselves in this point where we're like, am I in or out? We start to complain. And that's really all that we've been seeing Habakkuk do is he has been complaining, God, I don't like this. God, this doesn't seem fair. Can somebody show me in scripture where it ever said God is fair? God, I don't like this. God, it's not right. Habakkuk is in a crisis of belief. But in chapter two, we began to see a transition. And in, in all of our lives, listen to me, when you find yourself in a crisis of belief, there needs to be a moment when you begin to transition, when you begin to lean into the Lord. And that's really what we see happening here with Habakkuk, as we start to see this transition. In chapter one, it's God, I don't think it's fair, but I know that you're God. God, I don't like this, but you're God. And God, you, you oftentimes do things that don't make sense. Anybody ever had a moment where God did something that didn't make sense? That's kind of where we find Habakkuk. God, you, you do things that don't make sense. And Habakkuk, really what he says is, God, I need some answers. And you know what a lot of us do when we need answers is we look to ourselves. We look to the world. We look to others. We look to our job. We look to our bank account. We look to our situation. We look to our circumstance. But Habakkuk says, God, I, I need answers, and so I'm going to turn to you for answers. And listen what he says in Habakkuk chapter 1, in chapter 2, verse 1. Remember, the first thing I want to show you, when you find yourself in a crisis of belief, you need to stop and listen. Listen to what Habakkuk says. I'm going to climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. You say, what does that have any, what he's saying is, I'm going to get alone with you. I'm going to create some distance between me and the people. And here's what he's saying. I'm going to quiet my soul so I can hear your response. I'm going to, in essence, what he says, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen. I want you to hear me. Write this down. When you find yourself in a crisis of belief, it is essential that you stop and listen. When you find yourself in something that doesn't add up or make sense or causes you confusion or is stretching you or when you feel like the Lord is asking you to do something that is beyond your ability and what we do oftentimes when we find ourselves in these situations is we want to tuck tail and run, right? But it's essential that we stop and listen. And listen to me, this is so essential for us. When you find yourself that is with something that is bigger than you and it's causing you concern as it did Habakkuk. The commentator Matthew Henry said this about Habakkuk. Habakkuk up to this point has been tossed and perplexed with his doubts. And that's what a crisis of belief does. It tosses us. It causes us to wrestle with doubts. Doubts in ourselves, doubts in God, right? And we wrestle, and that's where Habakkuk is. But listen to me, it is essential when you find yourself perplexed, when you find yourself in doubt, when you find yourself in, God, I don't know if I can do this, when you find yourself in this moment, it's essential that you stop and listen. Okay, Pastor Chad, what do I need to stop doing? Number one, you need to stop complaining. We need to stop whining. Stop grumbling 
Listen to me, church. I think we have whined and complained, and I'm preaching at myself. We have whined, we've grumbled, we complained long enough. I think when the Lord starts to talk to you, you need to stop complaining, stop whining, stop talking about it over and over and over again, rehashing it, trying to figure it out. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to justify your actions. Stop trying to justify your doubts. Stop and listen. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that he is God. That word be still doesn't simply mean stop talking. It means stop wrestling. Some of you need to stop so you can hear. Some of you never are going to understand what God is trying to say to you or into you or into your circumstance until you just stop. Be still. Listen. This is step one. When you find yourself in a crisis of belief, stop and listen. Listen to what the rest of verse one says. So we're, we're saying, he's saying, I need to be still. I need to stop complaining so I can hear. But listen to what the rest of verse one says. I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. Listen to what he says here. I wait to see what God says to me. How he will answer my complaint. God, I don't understand this, but I'm gonna stop and listen. God, I don't understand. It doesn't seem fair, but I'm going to stop and listen. Too often, as I said, what we do is we have the complaining part down pat, right? How many of you would say you know how to whine and complain? Anybody? We got that down pat, right? We, Malik, raise his hands. You got it down, bub. We know how to whine. We know how to complain. Whoever will listen, we're going to tell them our complaints. We try, oftentimes we whine, we complain, and then we start to fix it ourselves. And then you know what we do when we try to fix it ourselves and it wasn't God's intent that you fix it yourself? You mess it up worse. And then when you mess it up worse, you know what you do? You whine and complain some more. And you get angry at God for putting you in this worse situation when God's like, I didn't touch it. You did this all by yourself. We've got the whining and complaining part down pat. But what we don't really understand, and listen to me, church, I'm speaking to myself. What a lot of us, we don't understand is we don't know what it means to stop and listen. Stop and listen. And I want to tell you all this morning, one of the beautiful things about the God that we serve is if you stop and listen, he will talk to you. Unlike any other form of religion out there, the God we serve is living. I want, that should excite you. Let me say this again. Maybe you didn't hear me. Unlike any other form of religion out there, the God you serve is a living God and he's still speaking today. He's still on his throne today. Listen to me. I could call up Buddha today and guess what? No response. I could call up Muhammad today and guess what? No response. But I can call on the name of the King of Kings and there's a response. Why? Because we serve a God who communicates. But the problem is, many of us don't stop in order to listen. We don't stop in order to hear what God is saying. And so here's what I feel like the Lord has been showing me. Many of you, you think you have a word from the Lord or something the Lord told you, but you never stop to listen. So really what you're doing is you're still chasing after the things you put in your heart. You can't hear what God says until you stop, be still, and listen. He's a God who communicates. Psalm 29, 14, chapter, Psalm chapter 29, verse four says this. Listen, the voice of the Lord echoes through the skies and seas. 
The glory God reigns as he thunders in the clouds. So powerful is his voice, so brilliant and bright, how majestic as he thunders over the great waters. The New International Version says it this way. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. I wanna tell you today, we serve a God who speaks. Okay, Pastor Chad, if I stop and listen, how does he speak to me? Multiple ways. Number one, he's always gonna speak to you through this book right here. His word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. He's a God who speaks. He speaks audibly. I've never heard him speak audibly, but I know people who have, who've literally heard the Lord speak. He'll speak to you audibly. He speaks to you through his word. He speaks to us through prayer. He speaks to you through circumstances. Any of you ever had circumstances speak to you? He does. He speaks to you through sermons or life groups. He speaks to you through your biblical community. He speaks to you through other people. He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. He is a God who communicates. He's a God who speaks. But listen, if you don't stop and listen, if all you do is complain and whine and grumble and try to fix it yourself, you're never gonna hear him. Let me say it again. If you don't stop and listen, Somebody needs to hear this today. Somebody in this room, all you've been doing is grumbling and complaining and trying to fix it yourself. And what you're doing, you're in this crisis of belief and it's causing you to question your faith more and more and more and more. And you're frustrated, you're confused. You're kind of like, God, where are you? Stop. Stop talking. Stop. And just listen. Some of you, that's just, some of you, you just need to just zip it some of you need to go on a talking fast and just like, God, I'm not gonna, I, I'm just gonna listen. Just listen. That's step number one. Let God speak to you. Stop and listen. Number two, and this is key. So number one, we want, when we find ourselves in a crisis of belief, we're gonna stop and listen. Number two, you need to write it down. In chapter one, Habakkuk's like, okay, God, I don't understand all of this. And he complains, but I'm gonna stop and listen. And listen to what happens in chapter two, verse two. This is God speaking. God's now responding to Habakkuk. Habakkuk, I want you to write it down. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you would say you're a little bit like me? Tasha will come to me and she'll be like, Chad, I need you to run to Walmart and I need you to get... Dog food, hamburger meat, milk. I need you to get some lunch meat. I need you to get some snacks for the kids for school. And I need you to get some milk and eggs. Got it. You want me to write it down? No, this baby, this is a steel trap. Nothing's, <laughs> nothing's getting out. And I get in my car and I start driving to Walmart. And guess what happens? Satan comes into my car and he steals what my wife told me to get. And I get to Walmart and I buy Dr. Pepper, donuts, chicken wings, cat food. We don't even have a cat. And like, you know, like milk. I get one of the items she asks. And I get home and I'm so proud of myself. And I hand it to her and she's just like, well, where's all the things I asked you to get? Satan stole it from my mind. And I have to go back and I'm like, but will you write it down this time for me? Why do we write it down? So we can remember what God says to us. Because listen, we serve a God who speaks, but he wants you to remember what he said. 
Write it down. Why? So I can remember it. So I don't forget it. When you write down the vision or when you write down what God says to you, I want you to hear me. It begins to bring to life what God is trying to say to you so that he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But many of us, we've heard the Lord whisper to us things over the years and we forget them because we fail to write them down. So that's what God is telling Habakkuk to do. Habakkuk, I want you to write it down so you can tell others. So you can remember it, Habakkuk, but I also want you to tell others so it'll come to life, so it can accomplish what I want it to accomplish. I want you to hear me today. God, and please hear me today, God doesn't speak to you so you can have a me, myself, and I moment. Many of us, we are selfish when it comes to the voice of the Lord and we just want to hear what God says to me. Listen, yes, God's going to speak to you. And let, yes, God is going to speak to you about circumstances in your life. But I believe even when God is speaking to you about circumstances in your life, you still need to write it down so you can remember what it is that God's saying to you. We don't get a word from the Lord so we can hoard it all by ourselves. God speaks to us, yes, so we can give you instruction but oftentimes when he begins to plant things inside of you for you, it's also for others. And when God gives you a word, when God gives you a dream, or when God speaks to you, when you find yourself in a crisis of belief, write it down, number one, so you don't forget it, but number two, so it can begin to come to life, but number three, so you can encourage others. Write it down. Write down what God is saying to you. I've been telling my staff here at the church, and I've been telling our prayer team and, and really anybody that'll kind of listen to me that I believe that we serve a God who speaks. And I think as believers, we know that we serve a God who speaks, but we don't stop and listen enough so we can't hear him. But when we do hear, we oftentimes don't write it down. But I, I've been telling our staff that we serve a God who speaks and I'm often telling, oftentimes what I've been trying to tell people is the words from the Lord are oftentimes, for, at least for me, like a piece of a puzzle. And we might not always understand what it is that God's saying to us. If any of you ever had the Lord, you know the Lord spoke something to you, but it's like, God, what? what is? And it's like, this makes no sense. Anybody ever had that? Come on, active, let's be active. Anybody ever heard the Lord say something to you and it didn't make sense? Raise your hand. There we go. All right. Just making sure we're awake. Oftentimes, the Lord will do that. He'll speak something to me and I don't have all the answers. But listen, when we get together with a group of people that we've been praying with or studying the word with or something like that, we're like, man, guys, God has been showing something to me. And it's like we share it and then somebody else goes, oh, well, this, this is what God's been showing to me. And somebody else begins to speak. And then you begin to connect it together and what it looks like is the puzzle that the creator intended it to be. So why do we write it down? So it can come to life. Because that's how God communicates. God communicates. It's not, I don't always get all the answers. I don't always know everything God's saying to me. And there's many times when I get a word from the Lord for something and then Doug comes and gives another piece and then Tasha gives a piece and then my mom will give a piece and then Todd Rice gives a piece and then Jason gives a piece and we look back like, oh, wow. That's what the Lord's been saying. But listen to me. If we're all working so hard and so diligently to hear what God's saying, but Jason knew the Lord said something to him and didn't write it down, and then we got together and he's like, I remember the Lord told me something. Guess what? The puzzle's still missing. We write it down so we can remember, so it can come together, so it can be what the creator designed it to be. 
When God gives you a word, when God gives you an answer, when you find yourself in a crisis of belief, write it down. Write it down so others can remember it, so other people can run with it. We write it down. Because listen to me, your spiritual enemy is an excellent person at trying to steal what God is trying to bring life to. That's what it says he does in the Bible, John 10, 10. He's trying to steal away the seeds of life that God plants inside of us. So I challenge you, write it down. But guess what? You say, well, I don't have pen and paper. Well, guess what? Most of us are never more than three feet away from this little gadget called a phone. And you can voice record it. I have started voice recording more and more things. Why? Because I don't want to forget what God is saying to me. Because there's been many a time in my life I've heard the Lord whisper something to my spirit. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is great. I can't wait to, you know, tell Tasha about it. And I start to like, God said something. She's like, what? I can't remember. But it was really good. And so used to what I would do is I would justify it and say, well, that must not have been God because I can't remember it. No. That's not it. I didn't write it down. God spoke. I didn't record it. And so that word that God gave me can't be used. It can't come to life. So number one, we need to stop and listen. Number two, we need to write it down. And number three, you need to wait for it. We don't like to wait, do we? Hurry up, get to the word. What do you gotta say? Sometimes we need to wait for it. Yet notice what God says to Habakkuk in chapter two, verse three. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Look at what he says next. If it seems slow in coming, the new international version says, though it linger. Wait patiently. Though it linger, though it seems slow in coming, wait for it. It will surely take place. It will not be delayed. I, guys, when I was studying this message, this is the part where I feel like the Lord told me this is where a lot of you are. You're in the waiting season. You're in the waiting season. And some of you are trying to rush this season and the season doesn't seem fair and it seems to be lasting too long and you're angry and you're frustrated at God Lord you gave me a word Lord you gave me a promise Lord, I know that you said you're going to heal me. Lord, I know that you said you're going to save my son. Lord, I know that you said you're going to save my daughter. Lord, I know that you said you're going to bless my finances. But Lord, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And God, there's no response. We don't like to wait. But the Bible tells us, though it linger, though it linger, though it may seem slow in coming, Though you may be waiting, wait patiently for it because it will surely come to pass. It will surely come to pass. This is where some of you are. You're in this waiting season. I wish I could tell you today, hey, here's when your answer's coming. I wish I could tell you, but I can't. I've got some areas in my life 
where I've been waiting 15, 16, 20 years for an answer. I've got some promises that I know beyond the shadow of doubt the Lord implanted in my soul 15 years ago that I still don't have the answer for. And it does, it causes a crisis of belief. It causes a wrestling match because there's those days where you kind of find yourself in the dumps and it just doesn't add up and you get angry at the Lord and God, why aren't you doing it? Why are you, why are you, you know, why are you make me keep waiting? All I can tell you is if the Lord's given you a word and you've written it down, wait for it. It will surely come to pass. Wait for it. I've shared this before, but I'll, this is one of the most beautiful pictures I can paint for you of really a crisis of belief that I even see from scripture. There's multiple of them, but there's this crisis of belief in Mark chapter four, verse 35. And maybe you won't think of it as a crisis of belief, but Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Hey, let's go to the other side. You know, that's what a promise from God is, right? Hey, you're going to get from point A to point B. That's a promise. Hey, I'm taking you from where you are to here. That's, that's what a promise from God is. It's something in you that's like, if, if, if the promise was already completed, you wouldn't be waiting on it, right? So God looks at these disciples and says, hey, let's go to the other side. And they get in the boat and they enter into a storm. And that's really what a crisis of belief oftentimes is. And they find themselves tossed and perplexed with their doubts and their fears and their confusion. And they find themselves wrestling in the water and they're afraid they're going to die. And they get angry at God they get angry. They, you can see in Scripture, they get kind of frustrated at Jesus. Why are you sleeping when we're all getting ready to die? And so Jesus wakes up, speaks to the storm, and they get to the other side. There's a whole lot more to this story that I could go into, but what I want to tell you is this. If God gives you a promise that you're going to get to the other side, hear me, you're going to get to the other side. What he doesn't tell you is about the storms that are going to be coming. There are going to come storms. There are going to come things that toss you and perplex you. There are going to be things that cause you some confusion. There are going to be some things in this life that cause you fear and that cause you to maybe doubt. There are going to be storms. But in the midst of those storms, if you'll hold on to the promise that God gave you, you can make it through the storm. But what oftentimes happens for many of us is we find ourselves in the storm and we throw away the promise and we try to bail water ourselves and we make it worse. But if you'll just stop and call on Jesus, he can bring peace even in the midst of the storm. I've been reading the book of Acts and I believe it's Acts chapter nine where it talks about the New Testament church in Acts chapter nine, I think it's verse 31 and they're praying, and all this persecution is coming at them. But it says in the midst of that, there was peace in the church. I want you to hear me. It didn't mean the persecution stopped. It meant they found peace in the midst of the storm. And God is a God that if you hold on to the promise that he gave you, you can find peace in the midst of the storm. And somebody today needs to find peace that passes all understanding in the midst of the storm that you're facing. Because God gave you a promise. God gave you a word. And if you'll just wait for it, you will get to the other side. Anybody hear me? It's a promise. And this is where some of you are today. You're in a waiting period. You're in a waiting season. And I can tell you, I wish I had answers for you today on the exact date that God was gonna give you your answer. But let me, let me tell you, just because there's a, a delay 
doesn't mean it's not gonna happen. Delay does not equal denial in the kingdom of God. Write that down. Delay does not equal denial in the kingdom of God. When God promises you something, it will come to pass. Habakkuk 2.3. Let's look at it again as I get ready to close. For the revelation, the vision, the dream. This is the New International. It says, it awaits an appointed time. Everybody say appointed. Let's say it again. Say appointed. Listen to me. God has an appointed time for your answer. You know what that word, that's that, in, the, in the Hebrew, that word is the word moed. And it means a fixed time. Here's what I want to promise you today beyond the shadow of any doubt. God already has a fixed time for your answer. It might be tomorrow morning at 6.53 a.m. It might be a week from Tuesday at 9.13 p.m. It might be two years from now on a Wednesday, but I want you to hear me today. God has an appointed time for your answer. God has an appointed time for your healing. God has an appointed time. He already knows it. It's already on heaven's calendar. I want, I want to build somebody's faith today. Somebody needs to hear this. It's already on heaven's calendar. God already has the answer. He already sees your son walking home. He already sees your body being healed. He already sees your, your finances being restored. It's already fixed on heaven's calendar. It's like a woman who's nine months pregnant. You can't rush it. You can't speed it along. When it's time, it's time. And that's what I believe God is saying to us today. Many of you are pregnant with something. You've been waiting, but he already has a fixed time, an appointed time. He's got your answer. It's coming. It won't delay. It's for a future time. It's not right now, but it's coming. Somebody, I want somebody right now to say it's coming. Close your eyes right now by faith and say it's coming. Say it again, but start to believe it. It's coming. Now maybe speak to your circumstance or your situation. Maybe it's a son or a daughter that's running from God. Say they're coming home. Say it. Maybe it's in your health. Say I am being healed. My healing is coming. My financial miracle is coming. It's coming. Even though we walk through a valley, even though we're in a crisis of belief, we serve a God who verse 20 of Habakkuk chapter two tells us, but oh, God is still on his throne. And I want to tell somebody today, God is still on his throne. You might be waiting, but heaven hasn't moved. God hasn't moved. He's still waiting. He's getting ready to move. He has not changed. Your answer isn't not coming. It is coming. Heaven hasn't changed. Heaven is waiting and God is getting ready to move on your behalf. I close with one story. The band can return. Several years ago, I think it was, I can't remember, it was during a women's conference when Peter and Carolyn Haas were here. 2016, maybe 2017, I can't remember the exact year. But uh, I, I'm never, I'm never a uh, guy that walks up to somebody and says, hey, do you have a word for me? I just don't do that. I let the Lord speak to me. And if somebody has something the Lord gave them for me, I'm gonna listen. But I don't go around saying, hey, do you have something the Lord said for me? But we were standing, it was women's conference was over. It was a Sunday morning and uh, I was sitting here and Peter Haas, he's a pastor in Minnesota, was sitting on the end of the row. And the Lord spoke something to my heart and said, he has a word for you. And so I said, after church, I said, hey, 
said, I don't ever do this, but do you have a word from me from the Lord? And he said, yes. He said, you remember in service when I knelt down and I said, yeah, I remember that. And he said, well, the Lord started to give me a word for you. And he gave me a word. It was the most horrible word I've ever received in my life. I hated it. I hated it. He said, you're getting ready to enter a season where you'll have no vision. He said, you're entering a season where it's gonna be tough. And he said, you're gonna quit. You're gonna wanna throw in the towel. You're not gonna be able to see clearly. He said, you're not gonna be able to make decisions. He said, it's like you're gonna be in a dark forest and you can't see anything but the trees, anything but your trials. And he said, growth is gonna stop in your church. I'm like, this is the stupidest word I've ever heard in my life. But he said this, he said, but Chad, he said, but God told me there's a fixed time. And he said, it's already on heaven's calendar. And he said, when God's bringing you out, and he said, you're gonna literally, it's gonna, you're gonna be like, feel like you've been in a forest that's dark and no vision. And he said, you're gonna come out into that field. And he said, you're gonna see clearly again. And you're gonna have vision again. And you're gonna hear from the Lord again. He said, it's fixed. It's already on heaven's calendar. And then he said this, and he said, it's almost like you're going to sneeze and launch new campuses. He said, it's that quickly. It's gonna, he said, just literally things are gonna happen. Just, he says, where well, you've been waiting years he said, it's just gonna start happening. And I'm just telling you guys, for the first time in a, in a long time, I have fresh vision like I haven't in years for our church and for my family and for this city. And I'm beginning to see again. There's a season where it was tough to lead. Man, when, you, when you're a visionary type leader and you have none of that, why do I tell all this? Because I want you to hear the fixed time about three, four months later, I, I have a friend, his name is Tommy Tinney, and maybe some of you know him and his ministry. His dad was a close friend of mine, one of the greatest leaders I knew. And T.F. Tinney, he said, Tommy said, my dad is dying. You need to go see him. He wants to see you. And so he lived down in Branson at the time. He lived at his summer house in Branson. I drove down to see him and I thought I was going there to pray for him. And I did, I prayed for him. And when he got done, he's 84 years old and he's dying. He says, can I pray for you? And I said, yes. And he did what all, what I know most older men of faith did. He puts both hands on my face and he's just squeezing my head and he's praying for me. And I want you to hear me. He gave me, and him and Peter Haas don't know each other. He gave me the exact word, exact word that Peter gave me three, four, five months earlier, even to the, but there's a fixed time. It's already on heaven's calendar. And I say this to you, I'm seeing my fixed time come to pass. And I'm telling somebody in this room, heaven has a fixed time for your miracle and it is coming to pass. So stop and listen, write it down and wait for it. And when you find yourself in the middle of the storm, don't stop and turn around keep waiting because God is on his throne and heaven is moving and answers are coming your way and the waters are stirring and God is getting ready to launch you and your family into what he has for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I ask you today to minister in these next few moments. Would you speak to every heart and every life? In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.